Welcome to the podcast series, Interest Rates with Mates, with Colin, Todd, Sean, and Cass. Happy Monday, everyone. Good hey, Monday. Episode, Good episode 20. We've hit the 20s. 20, nearly half the year. I know. Hey. It's good. Uh, today, we begin uh, going through living expenses. So... Uh, traditionally, that's always been a little bit of a touchy subject between the client and the banks. Uh, the banks have always scrutinised the bank statements once received. A uh, little bit more relaxed at the moment, but we're going to go through sort of what the banks look for and then any additional expenses that's not included in your living expenses, uh, what that term, what that means from a serviceability point of view. Yeah, I think... Um Gosh, a number of years ago now, the banks were heavily scrutinising bank statements, weren't they? So yeah. after the Royal Commission, um, like after the Royal Commission, I think the banks like tightened a lot of their policy and yeah, were over analysing bank statements. Yep. And um, like I still get clients today say, oh, you know, I went on a holiday or my expenses have been a little bit higher than usual over the last month or two. I, I think that's going to be a problem. I've heard it'll be a problem. Um, and I just remind them that look, you know. Yes, they did over-analyze statements back then after like post-Royal Commission. Um, but yeah, like as Sean was saying, like it is relaxed. It has relaxed a lot mm-hmm. now. Um, the emphasis is more so on the broker and the client to have those discussions, review those bank statements, pick out the, the discretionary versus the fixed expenses. Um, and, you know, as long as we can explain that and mitigate that, then yep. the banks basically, yeah, they have their minimum hem, but it is relied more so upon what, what the client's sort of explaining to them or yeah. declaring. I think it's important, in case you can go through this if you like, but you've got general living expenses and then you've got additional yep. living expenses. So if you just want to even explain, Cass, just what the differences are, like what, what's included in general, what's included in um, maybe the additional living costs. Yeah, so essentially your general is covering your um, insurances like normal house insurance, car insurance, food <clears throat> Um, recreation, so going out, takeaways, things like that. Um, pri- uh, public school fees are included in that as well. Um, what else have we got in there? Um, you've got uh, transport costs transport as well. Costs, yeah, registration, all of yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's what's covered in discretionary. Uh, and then when we look at outside of that, then you're looking at more like your body corp fees, strata fees, uh, um and health insurance is the other one. Yeah. But health insurance is a big one, isn't it? Because a lot of uh, customers will have health insurance um, and that is included as an additional living cost as well. So, um, And with living cost, I mean, the government has uh, a benchmark, I suppose, that the banks have to uh, abide by um, and all banks will adopt their own take on, you know, I suppose, on what that looks like for them and their servicing calculators. But most banks are, are relatively similar. Um, it's the additional living costs where some banks will include certain additional costs, other banks won't as well. So, um, and I think Todd, you were saying before, it's important that um, that the broker now has the conversation with with the client around you know what fixed expenses they have, what discretionary spend they have, um, and having those conversations up front so we can get uh, I suppose the servicing position correct. For the yeah, customer. definitely. I think another really positive reason to use a broker, um, especially when it comes to living expenses, is obviously. The policies at the banks vary so greatly. Um, like we, we touched on before about motor vehicle expenses. Some lenders, if that client has a, a fully expensed company vehicle, um, sorry, like a fully maintained company vehicle, we can add back five or $10,000 and declare zero 
running costs for that vehicle. Um, and then the, the bank will obviously assess them at the minimum HEM benchmark, but then they'll also add back this extra net income to, to cover, you know, the cost of a vehicle if that client didn't have it sort of thing or if another client didn't have it. Um, and like private school fees, like, you know, a couple of lenders that we have access to, um, if the client has sufficient savings to cover those school fees for, for the remaining um, years that that child will, will attend school, um, then we can ignore the the private school expenses for those years. So there's plenty of good and varying policies from lender to lender, but it's about using a broker so that the broker actually understands those policies and can um, take advantage of those. Yeah, And I think that that's where it's really important when using us is that we will actually talk to the credit assessor and say, hey, look, this is why the expenses were so high for this particular yeah. month if we need to. Uh, and in most cases they're fairly reasonable and, and they will go, okay, fair enough, That's it was a holiday or it was you know sporting equipment or whatever it was. Yeah, no, I think it's a great a great point here. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say it's based on income as well. So obviously the more income that you are generating, the higher the living expenses the banks are going to take into account. That's because of the government benchmark, That's right? right? Because it's all based on a whether it's a multiplier of income, who knows? But um, but the government has set a benchmark based on household taxable income yep. for the year. So I, I think the other thing that we do get a little bit is where clients do spend under what that HEM is, but yep. unfortunately because of the regulations imposed, we can't, even though we can prove that they're spending less, we can't necessarily still use that, ben, um, you know, what they're actually spending. We still have to use the benchmark. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And you use the word HEM there, so just for the listeners, so it's a household expenditure measurement Look at that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the government benchmark that we've yeah. been talking about. So yeah, that's right. It's um, interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because, like, you know, if a client is spending under and we declare under, then half the time we've got to go and explain why I put yeah. a compliance note in there. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Um, it's a little bit silly, but it is what it is. But look, I mean, these days, I mean, look, we, we get questioned, I suppose, from certain credit uh, teams with, you know, amongst our lender partners where they do question maybe some of the discretionary spending only when they receive bank statements because we've got to show uh, a bank statement regarding savings, for example, like genuine savings for a bank. Um, but a lot of our, um, uh, our questions aren't really relating to living costs these days. Like I think it's um, uh, it's important to note for the listeners that maybe three or four years ago they were scrutinising on, on living costs and bank statements, et cetera, but these days it is um, probably a lot easier uh, now to have those conversations. Mm, I definitely. think that, that HEM measure has increased significantly over mm. the last couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. I'm finding a lot more clients actually spend under the HEM uh, at the moment, um, probably because, you know, times cost are a little yeah, yeah, bit. Right. Like, although it's gone up, you know, people are finding ways to, to sort of spend less and um, shop smarter, I guess. And I thought I'd just give you a b- bit of example what the banks are looking for if you have a look at a married couple. Let's change this. Uh, with two kids, uh, so one applicant's on ninety five thousand, uh, the other one is on fifty thousand. So the expected household uh, expenditure measure for that family, you're expected to spend about four thousand two hundred per month. Now, if you're budgeting and doing all the things that you should do with interest rate rises and things like that, some people might not even get near that. Mm. Um, so this is when, you know, us as a broker, we're going to find the best policy to slot you in to make sure that we can actually explain those living expenses. Yeah, um, absolutely. But if you change, you know, one person, if they're both on 95 grand, that household expenditure measure goes up to 4750 So it's a big change just mm. having that 45000 more income. Another, yeah. another really interesting thing I've found, I've found where like, um, you know, they might be borderline on the hem bracket. Like we can't see it. We don't really know. But then you just notice as soon as you put in like a couple of thousand dollars of overtime, 
boom, it, it reduces their borrowing capacity because you've pushed them into the next hem bracket. Um, like I've had discussions with clients that are, that are spending under the hem, um, and I'm like, look, if you declare this, if, if we if we try to justify this overtime to the bank, um, it's going to push you up into this higher hem bracket. Um, so it, it is really interesting when we're playing around with the numbers, and um, yeah, it, it's funny how it works in the background. That's an important uh, important point. That actually, yeah, yeah. because it is the same with taxable income too. If you if you're right at the um, uh, the the sort of maximum for a certain tax bracket, and then you add five thousand dollars of overtime. I've had it yeah. in the past as well, yeah. where all of a sudden the borrowing capacity drops by it fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. If we don't use the extra income, yeah. we can get it across the and line. So there's no need to try and justify it if we don't need it. If, if it services exactly. without it, why yeah. try to justify overtime to Absolutely. the assessor? Yep. I yep. guess rental's the other one that tips it up as well. Mm. Yes, that rental yes. income coming in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so because rental income gets counted towards uh, the hem, hem as well. Yeah, so that's right. Um, so there's all these different uh, things. That's what's important, obviously, to, to have a chat to us. Uh, every scenario is different, as we've always said, um, and it could mean a good outcome compared to the opposite. Even when we're looking at doing a pre-approval, uh, let's say for a first-home buyer, and we're looking at that price cap of about $500,000, we'll probably ask the question if you are looking for an apartment with body corporate because mm. we don't want that surprise when we get the contract and there is body corporate in there because, unfortunately, we just can't say that that is part of your living expenses. Mm. It has to be an additional. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, body corp, obviously, most of the banks will include body corporate as separate additional yep. living costs as well, so we've got to... Be across that. Um, obviously, for customers that are buying an unoccupied unit, for example, shutter titled, or even an investment. Mm. It's a very interesting living expenses. <laughs> yes. It's changed over the years, but uh, I think it's... Uh, changes every month. <laughs> it, yeah, it does. <laughs> Lately. At the moment, it does, yes. It does. Uh, all right. So, yeah, if you've got any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we can, again... Always run a, a scenario based on your situation, income, and you know, give you a rough idea what your living expenses should be, and then you can go away and have a look at your spending. See if you're there. If you're, you know, well above that, that's maybe when you just take it easy for a couple of months, and those bank statements will, will start to reflect what that household expenditure measure should be. Yeah, and we can give them a plan. You know, our, our listeners a plan. Uh, around maybe some budgeting and stuff like that as well, coming into applying to a lender for some finance, whether it be a pre-approval or something else. But um, but that's, uh, I suppose, the the benefits of you know, speaking to our team uh, of brokers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very good. Have a lovely week. Have Thank a lovely you. Day. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future topics, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. All of these episodes are available to download for free wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care.